0: Alright, as they are transitioning out, you remember that throughout this series, uh, in the year of identity, we have been taking a little bit of time to talk about who we are as a family, about things that we believe, and I believe that it's somewhat appropriate for this morning to talk through what I'm going to tell you, and it's going to be very short, um, and then we'll jump into the message for today. But I wanted to read a statement, that then I'm going to comment on it. Because I want to always reinforce, what do we believe? What do we stand for? What do we like? What do we not like? What is going to be championed here? What's a win? So I would read this statement to you, whatever parts of it that you do agree with, by all means you can say amen, you can grunt in agreement, whatever feels good to you, all right? You can even whisper under your breath if you're from high church, all right? Here we go. We are a church who believes in the goodness of God. We firmly resist the desire to allow our circumstances to dictate our theology. With troubled times and questionable situations, the enemy prowls around looking for someone's mind to distort and turn them against their good Lord. With the situation of Orlando, it's tempting to ask, where was God? When we saw the reaction of a few who celebrated their deaths, we wonder, where, oh God, is your justice? When we look at the complicated and confusing political landscape, we question our future. But the truth remains that our God is good all the time. If we knew what He knew, we would agree with what He does. Amen? He is. Our God is loving. Our God is mighty. Our God is in charge. Our God is on the throne. Our God is our everlasting Father. And we will not be moved. Amen? Amen. Amen. Therefore, since that is true, we will exalt and magnify and lift up the name of Jesus Christ consistently, constantly. Why? Because the world has so many different ways of making us question whether or not God is good. Bad things occur, suffering occurs, and then an unbelieving world and even a believing world around us will say, if God was really there, this would not have happened and we begin to doubt the presence of God or the goodness of God in our lives. We cannot be moved from that place. Our God simply is good, and we just don't have all the pieces to it. But we must hang on there. And it's, it's a misnomer. It's a it's it's wrong theology to think that if something bad happens, God isn't there. And it's always been the case. If you remember when Lazarus, Jesus's. One of his best friends, one called Dearly Loved, when he died, Jesus came and both of the other two friends of his, Mary and Martha, said the exact same thing to him. Lord, if you had been here, he would not have died. They both challenged him that if you were only more present in our lives, he wouldn't have died. Yet Jesus stayed back on purpose. He knew what was going on. And what he said to them was this. Don't you understand that I'm bigger than all that? Don't you understand that the only reason why I can lead you down such difficult paths is because I am your great help and I know how to get you back home. We must trust and believe and own that our God is good even when circumstances seem confusing. So we as a church will remain firmly fixed there what you should not ever hear from this pulpit no matter who is teaching is a doubt on the goodness of God amen amen would you take out your Bibles please turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 6 We are continuing through. We're in part 10 of our God Meets World series through the book of Ecclesiastes. And I want to draw your attention to the fill in the blank there on the sheet that was handed to you at the front door by just a few thoughts. We have a couple problems here in our world. One of them is a sin problem, right? Sin wrecks stuff. But God is our only solution to the sin problem. Can we agree on that? Well, when sin gets into the world, it causes a dissatisfaction problem. Because sin enters in stuff that is not like God. And anything that is not like God is going to lack. Satisfaction is only found in God's stuff. So if we don't have God's stuff, we're not going to have any satisfaction. Therefore... We need more of God. Do you realize that everything we chase after and long for in this world is because we see some hint of wanting something God-like? For example, we will run around and seek relationships with all sorts of toxic people because we're craving to be loved. That's actually a God thing. The problem is, even though it's a legitimate need, we meet it by illegitimate means. And that is the sin part. What we are craving, what we are longing for, what we need so desperately is really the good stuff. We just keep getting ripped off by the fake stuff. So we need More of god not less of god everything we chase after is ultimately found in god So if if that is the case that we live in a world that is broken and is sin ridden and things like that How ought we to live i'm going to cut to the chase give you kind of the close of my message right up front in case anyone needs to nap It's been an exhausting week. You know what I mean? All right, so i'm going to tell you where i'm going with this And it's simply three things. Here's how we ought to live Number one, we need to recognize the reality of it all and adjust accordingly. That means we must use wisdom. We must use wisdom to navigate our world and not allow everything to push us back and forth into areas we should not be. Number two, we must embrace the gifts of God with joy now. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. In other words, there's always reason for joy in any given situation if you are a believer. Amen? Number three. Number three. We must look forward to a glorious future with Christ. That is trust and faith. How ought we to navigate this world? But wisdom, rejoicing, and trust. Amen? Amen the fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you is this the goal is not more But contentment the goal is not more but contentment We are not here in this world to amass More stuff We are here in this world to appreciate what god has brought Therefore the goal is not more But contentment And I believe that is where our author is heading Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one under the seat in front of you. We're around page 556 if you need to get there a little faster. Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 1. Here's how he says it. He starts out rather serious. There is an evil I have seen under the sun. In this world, as I look around, there's something that really, really bugs me. He said and it's just not right and it tears at my soul It lies heavy on mankind. It's not only difficult. It seems to be happening all the time. He said What is it verse two? A man to whom god gives wealth Possessions and honor so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires Yet God does not give him power to enjoy them But to make it worse, a stranger enjoys them. Well, this is vanity. It is a grievous evil. Here's what he's saying. He's like, man, as I look around the world, I see people that have all this ability, all this talent, all this brilliance. And they can amass things and they're they're famous and they're wealthy. And yet they're miserable inside. He said, I feel like that is, that is just mean. It's, it's like God gives them a toy, but there's no batteries. It, you know, it's like God gives them something brand new, but really it's broken and it was a lemon in the first place. Why would God do that? He's pointing out something that I'm not sure that you're aware of. Gain and contentment are two different gifts from God. You do not have one automatically with the other. Gain and contentment do not go together. And there's a reason why. The world... Has a lot of stuff would you agree? I mean we usually have them all kind of show up on our TVs or in magazines or online or whatever That we see how much stuff the world really has We see how much fame they have how much money they have how much influence they have I mean we see a lot of things out there But we keep finding out there's misery everywhere Why would god give them so much stuff? But no contentment to go along with it. Why do we have to keep reading stories of famous, powerful people committing suicide? Why do we have to continue to read all these people destroying themselves and their bodies, wrecking all the beauty that God has placed within them, because they're trying to numb out? Recently, right? The artist prince, yeah? he dies, they come to find out it's opiates, it's this and that, whether it was him trying to get to sleep, it was, it was drug related. Prince, as far as a man, I don't even know what the dude's real name is, right? What is it? It is Prince. Seriously? Oh, wait, well, he legally changed it. Yeah, but it, I, don't, I, don't think that, I don't think that he didn't have a last name. Does he have a last name? It doesn't matter. Anyway. <laughs> We're all going to spend time Googling it, right? And everyone's like, hey, "Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I just learned recently he lived in Minnesota, which I think is super weird. Anyway, <laughs> Paisley Park. Now, here's the thing. Prince, as an artist, as a creative, is absolutely brilliant. It doesn't matter what you think about all the flash and flare and craziness. That man was gifted by God. And it's all gone how come we can't have the gifts and the contentment to go with it this is what the authors looking around going mad this is happening everywhere i can't stand this i don't understand it i think that the rest of the bible tells us why and that's what we're going to find out verse three if a man fathers a hundred children his wife hates him no that's not that's not in the bible that's it's not in the Bible. I will periodically warn you if you're not following along, you're not going to know when I lie, all right? If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and to make matters worse, he doesn't even have a burial. Meaning that nobody cared about him in his death. Nobody protected him. Nobody respected him. He didn't have any relationships where anyone took care of him. He had... He had all these these incredible riches and things that the Old Testament mindset said, if you were really blessed by God, you would live super long and you'd have a ton of kids. And he was like, listen, let's go to the extreme on all this. Let's say he was uber blessed, but then ultimately he had no joy and he dies with no one caring about him. Man, what a horrible thing. And then he goes into exaggeration. He said, I say... That a stillborn child is better off than he is. Ooh, that's hardcore. Why? Listen to this reasoning, verse four. For the child comes in vanity, meaning its delivery, its delivery is fruitless. It goes away in darkness, never seeing the light of day. And in darkness, its name is covered, meaning it, it was never fully known, its abilities and personality. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything in the world yet As difficult as that is It finds rest rather than the other guy Even though he should live a thousand years twice over yet enjoy no good Do not all go to one place. Here's what he's saying God knows how to take care of his little ones if we have a stillborn child God can go come come here right now I can protect you this other guy has spent all these years with ups and downs and hurts and heartbreaks and 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 maddening feelings about the world around him and and not knowing what to do and everything's chaotic and he's not even living for God and he has no connection with anybody and his life is in torment he said yeah yeah, yeah. it's better to just check out right away Verse 7, this is where we're going to slow down a bit. All the toil of man, he said, all the work that we do, all the effort we put in, everything we're straining for is really for our mouths. It's to feed our need, to feed our cravings, to feed our wants. We're working for us. Yet his appetite is not satisfied. There's always more, right? For what advantage has the wise over the fool? They're both going to go to the grave. And what does the poor man have who lives right, who knows how to conduct himself before the living? No advantage. Then he says a weird line, verse 9, which is pretty deep. Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. What in the world does that mean? I kid you not. I read that and I was like, I got nothing to preach. I don't even know what you're talking about. Then I had to do some research. And I was like, oh, duh. Here's what it means. Better is looking at reality of what you really have than constantly dreaming of what you don't have. Right? He said, because that's also vanity and a striving after the wind. Why is there no satisfaction in this world? Well, partly it's because we are cyclical beings. When God created Adam and Eve, there is some question whether or not He built them for immortality. Whether or not He built them to live forever. And the reason why there's an argument maybe for it is because God had to block the garden entrance after they got kicked out. Do you remember that? Why? Because they could go back inside and eat from the tree of life and live forever. So maybe they weren't immortal, but they had the possibility of becoming immortal as they continued to eat the tree of life. So God blocked them out. Now, once he blocked them out, it sent us into a mortal tailspin. It sent us into this cyclical behavior where we would drink and then get thirsty again and then we would eat and then get hungry again and nothing seemed to satisfy it would always be like oh i'm all good now and then i'm lacking again that kind of lacking constantly is exhausting would you agree that wouldn't it be nice if you just had a relationship that was just solid and it never fell apart Wouldn't it be nice if you just had something you could put your hands to and put your work into, and it would be fruitful without complication? Yeah. And that's why we get so frustrated, because this world constantly deteriorates. So why would God allow that? Why would God separate stuff from contentment? Here's why because he wants us to have god with our gifts if he divorces himself from the stuff we'll just want the stuff okay let me let me tell you a little story and i have probably told this to you before um i'm ripping it off from this other dude that said that it was true i think he's a liar but that's all right i'm going to tell you as if he told it to me right and therefore if he is it's all on him praise the lord Now here's the story. It was told to me in a prayer context. It was told to me in, in kind of why does God have prayer work the way that it works? And I've never forgot the story. Um, He was an older gentleman and I heard this probably 15 years ago. And so when he talks about him being a kid, we're going back a ways. He said, when I was a little kid, my uncle, my really wealthy uncle came to visit from another city. I'd never met the guy. He was reconnecting with his brother and the, and his brother's wife, the mom. And he said, but I never knew him. And he said, and I was an only child. And he said, when the uncle came in, I was kind of sketched, you know, with him. I was kind of like, ah, I don't know if I want to meet this guy. I don't know who he really is, but I was interested. He came in. He looked really nice. He looked wealthy. And as he sat down and was talking with everybody, I noticed he had something in his pocket that caught my attention He said he was not there very long before after he greeted me. He reached into his pocket and he pulled out a nickel He said now at that time a nickel was a lot of money for a kid He said and he handed me a nickel and I said what's this for and he said nothing. I just wanted to give you a present And He goes really he goes. Yeah, so I went away and i'm looking at my shiny nickel and I was like that is awesome Well, a little while later, while the parents are all talking, he said, hey, come here for a second. And the little guy came over to him and he gave him another nickel. And he said, what's this for? And he said, I just want to give you another present. Let me give you a a secret. I have in my pocket a whole pocket full of nickels. And I want you to know that every time you come to me, I'm going to give you a nickel. The little kid's like, no way. She said, so I had to go away and ponder that for a moment. I had to go away and hide behind the couch and figure out if this is legit. He said, but eventually I got up the courage and I went back out and I went up to him and I said, can I have a nickel? He said, sure you can. He reached in his pocket and he gave me a nickel. And I went back behind the couch and I'm thinking, ooh, this is awesome. I have like a whole treasure map, right? However, let me, I don't know if this is the best way to do it. There's a much easier way to get to this, right? So it's not very efficient the way I'm doing it. So I'm going to go up to him. So he goes, so I went up to him and I said, can I have a nickel? He said, sure. I said, can I have all the nickels? And he goes no And I was like hey you said they were mine Like you said that I could have one every time I asked he said you're absolutely right But you and I full well know the minute I give you all the nickels. I'll never see you again I brought the nickels to get to know you And therefore i'm going to give you one at a time Now I was taught that in a prayer context. Why do we keep going back to God Because if we get his stuff and he's just a magic genie you want nothing to do with a genie There's no stories other than aladdin where the genie has a relationship God gave us stuff To create relationship God gave us stuff so that we would look at him and go. This is fun. Let's go play together But if we divorce his gifts from him it ruins the whole purpose So he keeps them together The world has all of his stuff, but they don't have any satisfaction because that's in his pocket. And you got to have a relationship with him to get any of that. Does that make sense? All right, let's keep moving forward. Hebrews 13.5 says this, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he, Jesus, has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say the Lord is my helper in other words be content with what you have because if you have god with it it's all good if you have all the stuff and not god it's all bad we need to learn the secret of contentment that paul had philippians four eleven. paul said i have learned in whatever situation to be content that's cool i know how to be brought low and i know how to abound In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Here's how I picture that. Uh, How many of you are hiker people or runner people? Raise your hand. Hiker people or runner people? Yep. Good. All right, good. Something's wrong with you. All right. I just wanted you exposed before everyone else something is wrong with you. Here's the deal. Do you realize you can get where you're going faster in a vehicle, right? God would not have gave us cars if he wanted you to run there. You understand what I mean? All right. Now here is what is fascinating about hikers and people like that. And even runners and cyclists is that there is a place, a new land called REI. Now at REI, There are magical things that you can buy and you can actually load up a little pack. It makes you look like a little mini speedy turtle that you can put on these little packs that are aerodynamic and they have all sorts of cool stuff in them. They have like little rations where you just add water and boom, it's a full course meal. Right. And you're like, Whoa, that's awesome. Right. And it has, some of them have the little tube. Have you seen the little tube, the little tube that comes out and has water in it, where the water comes from? I don't know, but there's water coming from out of the pack. And what it is, is a little hamster bottle where they go and they're just licking the little bottle and it's sustaining them. There, are, there are little gel packs, little gel packs where you can squeeze it in. It's not real food, but there's something in it that mysteriously invigorates your body, right? I mean, there's so many cool things that in that little pack you could, you could go. If I ever find myself accidentally in in space, I could survive. You're like, well, how would you accidentally find yourself in space? Anyway, the point is. They're like self-containment systems. No matter what occurs, if a zombie apocalypse hits, they just need one little turtle pack. And they're good. Right? That's the secret to being content. Here's why. God is our little pack. And the Holy Spirit's that little hamster (laughs) bottle. Living water man flowing out of who knows where it's that the whole time God is a self-containment system It does not even matter what else happens in the entire world though. All would fall away. We have food That you know, not of you understand what I'm saying that that inside there God's going listen I don't care what everybody else does. I don't care if they all go our same direction What I'm telling you is if you have me we're good And we can make it, we can make it through any circumstance, we can make it through any dilemma, any trial, any tribulation, because I am a containment system, and I have everything you need. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Verse 10, he said, whatever has come to be, meaning everything in this world, has already been named by God Therefore it is known what man is it's already been locked down what humanity's limits are And and everyone knows that man is not able to dispute with the one stronger than he that's God who are you gonna argue with In fact verse 11 the more words the more arguments and questions the more vanity and waste What is the advantage to you again? For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow for who can tell man what will be after him under the sun. Who can tell us Jesus. But what does he mean? He means if you're only living for this world, who's going to know where it's going to pass on to? What if you do all this effort to build a cool business and then you pass away and it just goes away? What a drag. What if you do all this retirement stuff and ultimately it passes away to someone that fruitlessly flitters it away You don't have any guarantee So what then is he calling us to do? He said what we do is we rail against god and we keep trying to change the scenario You can't change the scenario You can sit there and ask god questions all day long Job had all kinds of legit complaints against god and god just shut him down kid, you don't know. You don't know. So stop arguing with me. I'm not going to change the scenario. This is how the world is going to go. Therefore, what ought we to do? Wisdom, rejoicing, and trust. That is the only way we are going to navigate this well, because if we don't have the proper perspective, we don't match God with his gifts.
1: And we don't have any
0: satisfaction we can't have contentment without the lord jesus christ first timothy 6 6 godliness with contentment is great gain For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of the world But if we have food and clothing with these we will be content But those who desire for more fall into temptation into a snare into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Let me share with you a particular challenge in our culture that increasingly is getting worse. And that is the concept of fantasy. We have been taught our entire lives that you shouldn't have any problems. If you have problems, something's wrong with you. You obviously aren't using the right products. You obviously don't know the right people. You obviously aren't in the right job. Because there's all these people in this other imaginary fantasy land, and they're completely content. They got everything going on, man. And I don't know what's wrong with you, but something is seriously wrong with you. I mean, if you got problems, if you got something wrong with your health, dude, it must be your medical care. Man if you got something wrong with your relationship you married the wrong person if you got something wrong with what they have an answer Whatever that is. They're telling you that there's some imaginary perfect out there and you're the one lacking You need to listen to them and do their program and do their things and buy their stuff Why because then you can enter into the magical land But what if life is just supposed to be hard? What, what if, what if something's not wrong with you? I mean, other than the fact that we're in a broken world and we're broken people, right? What if, what if, what if that is the norm? What if there's not this whole idea of everything should be smooth and easy and good? You're in a broken world and we're not in heaven yet. So if you want to argue with God, here's what he's going to tell you. You're not in heaven yet. God, what's wrong with me? You're not in heaven yet. Seriously, Lord, I think something's wrong with this. I think I have a rash. You're not in heaven yet. So no, you're not in a safe place. No, it's not easy. No, you feel out of sorts. No, you were not built entirely to stay here. So therefore, you're not in heaven yet. So when you have a problem, I'd love for you to bring it to me. But when you keep praying that all your problems would go away, guess what? You're not in heaven yet. So you know what my answer is? No, you're not in heaven yet. What's the secret to being content? Recognizing that. Trusting in the Lord and enjoying what he's given us now. Without always longing for the fantasy world. Because it's not really there. Once again, I want to remind us that our job is to glorify the name of god is to make him look great and marvelous and wonderful and exalt his name why because everything else is trying to knock him down well god let this happen well god let that happen well god's not a good guy well god's this and god's that everyone's got an opinion on what god is his children are to say excuse me i know my dad And I'm just telling you right now from personal experience, my God is good. Amen. Can I have our prayer team come on up as we close out heavenly father We come to you and we say you are good and we refuse to be moved off that fact The lord even though we have loss even though we have confusion even though bad stuff happens around us and to us We will not allow the enemy to lie to us and say that you are not good Even in the garden of eden where everything was perfect. The enemy still got them to question your goodness So, Father, we are ripe for the picking that, Lord, that the enemy knows how to pull us apart and mess with us in advertising and distort our minds and to say lies even to one another that would take us away from you. And we say, no, we are a family that believes in the goodness of God and we will remain there. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move upon us to open our eyes to reality, that you would open up our spirits to receive from you, that you would anoint the prayers team, as your emissaries, as your ambassadors, as your servants, as your leaders, as extensions, Jesus, of your hands, that when they lay their hands upon, that there might be true healing and health. God, I pray that you would anoint their lips to be able to say encouragement and strengthening into all of us that are hurting and have need. I pray, God, that you would realign us with what you want to do. Your plans are better. So we say yes, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you.